Latter-day Saint Home Educators is pleased to bring you this audio presentation recorded live during the May 2023 Home Education Conference held in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Quickly, yeah. we are married, and we have three kids. We're almost empty nesters, and we joined the church about 20 years ago. So we're converts, and still a lot of things are new to us. And being around all of these amazing homeschool kids, I'm starting to feel like I wish I would have homeschooled, because <laughs> I'm amazed by. Um, their everyone's attitude and their positive attitudes and their knowledge. So um, our topic today is on how um, to let God prevail. And when we were given the topic, I looked it up. I googled it because I thought, well, you know, where, what, what do we mean by that? And President Nelson's talk came up from 2020. Um, it was in the October conference. And I, I'm sure I listened to it, but it was 2020, and that was the year of COVID, and we were in Korea, and I think we tried to forget it, like, <laughs> the whole year. Yeah. So they found, a, like, a little tidbit online, um, just in a couple minutes, so I thought that we would just watch it to kind of refresh our memory, and then we'll go from there. Okay? Things of the word... Israel is let God prevail. Thus the very name of Israel refers to a person who is willing to let God prevail in his or her life. That concept stirs my soul. The word willing is crucial to this interpretation of Israel. We all have our agency. We can choose to be of Israel or not. We can choose to let God prevail in our lives or not. We can choose to let God be the most powerful influence in our lives or not. The Lord is gathering those who are willing to let God prevail in their lives. The Lord is gathering those who will choose to let God be the most important influence in their lives. For centuries, prophets have foretold this gathering, and it is happening right now. As an essential prelude to the second coming of the Lord, it is the most important work in the world. When we speak of gathering Israel on both sides of the veil, we are referring, of course, to missionary, temple, and family history work. We are also referring to building faith and testimony in the hearts of those with whom we live, work, and serve. Anytime we do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil to make and keep their covenants with God, we are helping to gather Israel. 
The gospel net to gather scattered Israel is expansive. There is room for each person who will fully embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each convert becomes one of God's covenant children. Brothers and sisters, please listen carefully to what I'm about to say. God does not love one race more than another. His doctrine on this matter is clear. He invites all to come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female. I assure you that your standing before God is not determined by the color of your skin. Favor or disfavor with God is dependent upon your devotion to God and His commandments. The question for each of us, regardless of race, is the same. Are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to let God be the most important influence in your life? Will you allow His words, His commandments, and His covenants to influence what you do each day? Will you allow His voice to take priority over any other? Are you willing to let whatever He needs you to do take precedence over every other ambition? Are you willing to have your will swallowed up in His? Consider how such willingness could bless you. If you have sincere questions about the gospel of the church, as you choose to let God prevail, you will be led to find and understand the absolute eternal truths that will guide your life and help you to stay firmly on the covenant path. When you are faced with temptation, even if the temptation comes when you are exhausted or feeling alone or misunderstood, imagine the courage you can muster as you choose to let God prevail in your life as you plead with Him to strengthen you. When your greatest desire is to let God prevail, to be part of Israel, so many decisions become easier, so many issues become non-issues. You know how best to groom yourself. You know what to watch and read, or to spend your time, and with whom to associate. You know what you want to accomplish, and you know the kind of person you really want to become. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, it takes both faith and courage to let God prevail. It takes persistent, rigorous spiritual work to repent and to put off the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It takes consistent daily effort to develop personal habits, to study the gospel, to learn more about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and to seek and respond to personal revelation. 
during these perilous times of which the Apostle Paul prophesied, Satan is no longer even trying to hide his attacks on God's plan. Emboldened evil abounds. Therefore, the only way to survive spiritually is to be determined to let God prevail in our lives, to learn to hear his voice, and to use our energy to help gather Israel. And what is the Lord willing to do for Israel? The Lord has pledged that he will fight our battles and our children's battles and our children's children's battles to the third and fourth generation. My dear brothers and sisters, as you choose to let God prevail in your lives, you will experience for yourselves that our God is a God of miracles. So I thought it was, oh, go ahead. So I love how he says he is gathering. Thousands of people have fired their oh. dentist after discovering oh. a new Fire your dentist. Dentist is gone. Fire. <laughs> she could speak to the point of fire dentist, but <laughs> through some of her trials. Uh, but um, so I love how President Nelson says he is gathering. He's, he's gathered you here today um, together to, to learn to grow together. Um, and we are here to discuss how to let God prevail. Um, in in the in the talk, he, he let me let me go ahead and reiterate the question. He answers that question: What does it mean for God to prevail? Um, through a series of questions. Don't you love when they answer a question through questions? So, are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to let God be the most important influence in your life? Will you allow His words, His commandments, His covenants to influence what you do each day? Will you allow his voice to take priority over others? Are you willing to let whatever he needs you to do take precedence over every other ambition? Are you willing to have your will swallowed up by his will? So just, just think about those questions. It's, it's, not, it's not something that you answer one time, but you ask yourself day in, day out, and then are constantly going back to try to reassess are you listening to his voice instead of some of the overwhelming whelming voices wanting to pull you in different directions? Are you willing to let your will, some of the things that you think you want but, but not the things that you know you need, um, pursue those, good, better, best? Yeah, so on the car right here, this morning we were coming from D.C. and we were talking, and I'm like, well, I mean, obviously, I'm telling him it's it's the hardest to have to let God prevail in your life when you're going through trials. Like in my mind, that's just the way it is. When it's easy peasy, like I'm good, you know. And he's like, oh, I'm that's the opposite for me. So we're gonna kind of he'll like address because I I don't have experience of it being hard when life is going well for me. So I'm going to talk about the times during trials and then he'll talk about the times when life is easy for him, that it's the hardest for him. So I'll start. 
Um, are there any Lauren Daigle fans in here? Me too. So my daughter, she's 20, and we love Lauren Daigle. We listen to her all the time. And if you don't know who she is, she's just a Christian pop song singer from, I think she was American Idol, and that's how she got her start. Anyway, she has a song um, called Rescue, and I listen to her music all day, and one of my favorite lines, and I'm going to try not to cry because it is so personal for me, in her, um, in her song, and, and my daughter and I love this line, and it's just... Um, it's in the chorus, and it's, I hear, um, I hear you whisper, I'm so emotional, I can't make that, I have to write it down. I hear you whisper under your breath, I hear you whisper, you have nothing left. That's my life. <laughs> I constantly feel like I have literally nothing left. Um... We were doing really, like, I have had this wonderful life, and we were in Japan and Korea, and life was good, and I was, you know, had great callings in church, and I thought I was doing really well. Um, I was walking my dogs for miles every day, volunteer was running an animal shelter, like, you know, things were great. And now we move back to the States in 2021, and a series of crazy stuff happened in my life. And since then, when he talks about the dentist, <laughs> he wasn't kidding. Like, as soon as we came back, I ended up having, I ended up going to the dentist and getting nerve damage. And now I have this horrible trigeminal neuralgia. And dealing with that over the past couple of years and a series of, you know, family members passing away. And so that's why I just, I relate to that. That's when it's hard for me. For him, that's not, you know, when it's hard. So I guess my question is, is when it's hard, how do you let God prevail in your life? Do you have any times in your life that you can think of? You don't have to share, but maybe think about it for a moment. Um, I'm going to share with you. My daughter's on a mission. So it hasn't all been bad. My daughter's on a mission in Australia. And she, you know, is my best friend. I adore her. And she was leaving for her mission, and she hadn't been in Australia very long. And um, Elder Holland was there to talk with them. And the mission president said, so I want each of you to talk to your family back in the States and have them ask a question to you that you they want you to ponder during his talk. So she asked me, because she knew I had been struggling, and I said, I just want you to ponder, like, how do you keep going on? How do you keep going? So this was her response. Um, so I went, this is from the, the fall, when this has happened in the fall. And she says, so, when, so I went in with the question, how can I endure through my trials, weaknesses, and hardships? 
I didn't get the get a direct answer or the answer you might have wanted to hear. So that's when I wanted to stop reading, right? Because I thought, well, this isn't going to be what I wanted. I wanted you to say there's a miracle coming. That's not what happened. <laughs> but I got the strong impression of just enduring. Elder Holland started off the meeting with sharing a story of a swimmer. And he said the simple phrase, kick when you don't want to kick and stroke when you don't want to stroke. I know that's not very comforting. Um, but God is mindful of you. And he knows and he hears your cries. And at that time, I was in a lot of physical pain, and there was a lot of crying um, and begging. <laughs> so, um, and then she tells me scriptures, she points out some scriptures to read. What you're going through is very hard, and I'm not sure that might ha- I'm not sure why that happened, or... Um, why you have to go through this. But I do know that God loves you, and he wouldn't put you through anything he knows you cannot come out of just or just because he can. He has a reason for everything. At the end of the meeting, Elder Holland shared the story of the tabernacle that had burned down in Utah. It was a great, dedicated building, and many people loved it. So when it burnt, people questioned God. Why? But what Elder Holland said stuck with me. In the fire, in, in the fiery furnace of our afflictions, God can refine us to become something better, to reach potential he has. Um, I did this in screenshots because that's how I live. God has a plan for you even in your affliction seem hard I know he loves you and although this is hard I also know you can endure through it and you have everyone supporting you helping where we can anyways that's the answer I got from the meeting that answered my question I hope it helped you in some little way I'm praying and fasting um, fasting for you. Don't give up. Keep kicking and stroking. And that's when you learn from your 20-year-old. <laughs> and she gives you strength. But that's how I am. That's how I've been enduring, right? That's how I've been letting God prevail in my life is just keep going, right? There's times in our lives and that's all we can do. Um, I told him that sometimes I feel like the mom, like I, I used to raise kittens, so that was my thing. And sometimes I feel like, um, you know, mamas, for kittens, they move them a lot from place to place. And they do it, they pull them by the neck, and the kittens are just so submissive, and they go. Well, sometimes that's all you can do, right, is just do it and have Heavenly Father, just help move you along. Um, so that's one way to keep letting God prevail in your life. So I, I had a converse, I had a conversation um, with uh, some youth a while a while back, and I was explaining, and we were, and we were actually having a, a conversation about just just 
kicking when you feel like you can't kick and stroking when you feel like you, you can't stroke, uh, stroke anymore and just persevering through it. And with an eternal perspective, you'll know that there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And this youth said something pretty profound, and, and it stuck with me that ballad, it's, it's always with an eternal perspective. You know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know where the ultimate de- de- destination is, that, that the Savior conquered all death, trials, suffering, sin for our sake. But that, that still doesn't make this life any shorter. It's still, it's still a long slog at times. And so it takes a special kind of person to keep that eternal perspective, even in something that is is a, a long life that you live. But at the same time, there's these ups and downs where the Savior is with you by your side the entire time, knowing what you can handle and what you can't. And what you can't, he takes the rest for you. Um, and so when you trust in the Savior, whether you just that submissive kitten being dragged dragged around, because that's all you can do is just let the Savior move you around from place to place and, and bring other to the, others to the rescue to help you, and letting and, and letting others help and assist, um, letting God prevail will help you get gets you through those those tough times. And and what happens to a swimmer who's constantly kicking? And, and 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 putting in the time, even when they don't want to put in the time. What what ends up happening to that swimmer? Stronger. They get stronger. Yeah, and and they end up being able to pull off times or distances that they never imagined they could do. But those long early hours in the pool, eh, you don't you don't feel like that's what's happening. You feel like it's just pain and suffering. So I I see there's probably a swimmer back here because he's smiling big and 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 nodding. So. I was never a swimmer. I was a runner, but man, my friends that were swimmers were always putting in the putting in hours like crazy. And so there's a reward that comes with that, with just persevering and 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 putting in the work and um, acting in faith that you know what is promised will will come. And that is a change of you, a change of your abilities, a change of of your heart, and you will become more aligned with the Savior. Yeah, and what are the, the the changes, right? There's people you notice. When you become in tune with something, you start to notice other people, right, that you wouldn't have noticed before. I've noticed a friend that I've known forever on Facebook that um, has chronic problem, um, health problems, and I sent my son over there. Um, in Florida to help. He's, 20, he's almost 24, 23. Anyway, and he's been going over to help her because she can't lift things by herself. So am I grateful for that particular health child? I mean, I'm not at that point where I can say I'm grateful for it, but I think I'm maneuvering it. Um, in um, President Nelson's talk, he talks about his... Um, grandson's wife and her father is dying I hope I don't butcher this story (laughs) and her father is passing away and she um, is worried that she's going to lose her dad but she's also worried she's going to lose her testimony in the process Um, maybe from praying and the, the answers are not coming from what she wants them to be 
Um, so she's talking to President Nelson's wife, and so the wife talks to President Nelson, and um, his advice, the word, there was only one word that his advice was, and it was myopic. Yep. Now, I'm a simple person, so I had to Google what that even meant. <laughs> Does anybody know what it means? What's that? Nearsighted. Yeah. It means nearsighted. So that goes with the eternal perspective. Um, he's passing away, but it's not the end. So there's other things for him to do. And that, at first, she was really upset that that was the the only response that she received because she wanted him to give her a miracle. And that's not what happens. But she appreciates um, she appreciates it now. Um, I can relate to that. My dad passed away in March. And it was hard, right? Because I'm a strong-willed person. And I was willing him to make it through. And in my mind, he was coming home to me. And he was going to live with us. And we were going to take care of him. And that was... Like, I was already having nothing left. And then something else was coming along, and I thought, Heavenly Father, you know, it's time for a miracle. I cannot, I, I can't do anymore. I'm done. I can't handle any more difficulties. And he ended up not, some stuff was going wrong, so I rushed up there. And I was by myself. He didn't really have anybody but my, myself. And I had to make the decision to let him go. Um, and I held his hand through it. And I stroked his face. And I think it was a privilege to help him to, to go through something that scary. Um... But my will wasn't aligned with Heavenly Father's. I wasn't letting him prevail in my life because I wasn't letting his will be the most important thing. I, at that time, it was my will that I wanted. Um, I think about it now, and I, um, I know that everything I prayed for happened. I prayed that he would come into our home. He's not a member of the church or any church. Um, he's had a lifelong battle with addiction. Um, I prayed that he would be clean. And he was. He was in the hospital for months, and he was. Which he hadn't been in, what, 40 years, 50 years. Then I prayed that he would um, get to talk to the missionaries and be with the missionaries and feel the love that Heavenly Father has for him. And I have no doubt that that is what is happening. Um, everything I prayed for, I prayed that he would be surrounded by people that love him. But in my short-sightedness, in my nearsightedness, it was going to be my husband and I and my children. Like, you know, because sometimes we have a tendency to tell Heavenly Father, right? What, what is going to happen? Because <laughs> it's our will. Well, I know he's surrounded by people that love him now, but it's not the way that I planned. So 
I learned an important lesson through that. That that is, I was not letting God prevail in my life because I was not following his will. How much easier if it would have been on me if I would have taken a moment to stop and think about what his will was and just submit myself to it and to let things go a little bit smoother. I probably would have saved him some suffering. Um, but I didn't. So... I wanted to take take a step back um, and share a little bit of our uh, a little bit of our story. Um, so Melissa and I we went to high school together. Um, we met each other our freshman year, and um, if you could see me back as a freshman in high school, um, you would call me a punk because I was pretty much a punk. Um, I had my will and I had what I wanted to do in life and I knew what I wanted to do and. And I had long hair down to here, and I would miss school to go surfing and do do do, do who knows what. We lived and, on the beach. Yeah, Daytona <laughs> Beach, Florida. I had actually never met a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, when I when I someone mentioned the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, I didn't put two and two together that that was even connected to the Mormon Church, and um, and so I had never I had never met anybody until I went to to college. I'm out in out at the Air Force Academy in Colorado. It was the first time I met members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and and um, would give them a hard time and make fun of them and things like that in passing. Um, ironically, as a as a went at one time in high school, I did see a commercial about the about the Book of Mormon, and I ordered it online, not knowing the missionaries would show up at my doorstep to deliver it, and I quickly grabbed the book and said, no, thanks, I just wanted a free book, and slammed the door in their face type thing, and and as after college, as as we were as we were moving um, and just figuring out what stuff we were going to take on a, to our first assignment, um, she saw the Book of Mormon in the nightstand, and she's like, what is this? You're never going to read this. I'm like, no, 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 save it. I'm going to read it someday. Well, fast forward, little did we know that... Um, we would be church shopping, and our next door neighbors um, were uh, members of the church. And and my, one of my friends from the academy, that was one of my groomsmen in our wedding, um, that I would make fun of and give a hard time. Him and his wife, John and Katie Carter, moved in down the street from us in little old Enid, Oklahoma. It's not a big Air Force base, so they happened to move in right down the street from us as we were having missionary discussions and and had this great support network. Um, but I say this because. What what got us to that place with the missionaries is actually a step before that where we committed as a couple to let God prevail in our marriage. So when we were in high school, we had a youth minister. Uh, I went to an Episcopal private school, K through eighth grade, and um, our my youth minister from that Episcopal church. And when I started dating Melissa, we would go to Episcopal um, um, uh, youth school um, youth group and. Melissa wasn't even a practicing Catholic, but she, her family considered themselves Catholic, and her grandmother actually got mad at her for going to a non-Catholic youth group, um, even though they didn't even go to church. She threw a uh, fork at me. Yeah, she threw a fork at her. <laughs> she did. But but we we enjoyed that. We really we really uh, looked up to our youth minister, who we could see Christ in him. Um, and so when we went away to college, he actually went away to seminary um, and became a priest. And so. Right when we were graduating, he had just come back from seminary and became a priest and hadn't yet married anybody, and we asked him to marry us. Um, and so we were going through premarital counseling with him, and he said, I will marry you at, um, on one condition that you have a Christ-centered family. And so we said, absolutely, and we committed to have Christ at the center of our marriage. And, and that starting point 
little did we know was he was telling us, let God prevail in your marriage. So you, Eric, focus on what you need to do to be follow the Savior and strive to follow his example. You, Melissa, strive to follow the Savior's example. And as you each individually work on yourselves to become more like the Savior, you will become closer together because Christ will be in the middle. And as you converge on the Savior, you will converge on each other and you will have have Christ at the center of your marriage, and you'll become closer together. And so we have seen that. Um, well, has it been easy? Has because we made that one decision, it's been smooth sailing. We certainly we've had trials, but we've had trials of faith as well. Um, we had this great support network in Enid, Oklahoma. We were on cloud nine. We loved the missionaries. We were doing all, and we went to the temple in Oklahoma City. Uh, that we moved to our next assignment in New Mexico, took on a bunch of different callings, had, an, had another, another baby, and then life got overwhelming and realized we were taking on more than we could, could really manage. And while I didn't question my faith, Melissa struggled. It, it, it was a hard time for her. I wasn't the best husband. I wasn't looking in hindsight. I didn't realize I wasn't doing anything bad, but I really wasn't letting God prevail in my life. I started to become focused on, I need to get my degree because so I can continue to make rank. I need to excel at work. And so I was, I was focused on that. Oh, I need to, I need to train for a marathon. I remember she, she shares this story. I still can't believe how crazy I was. Like she had just had our second child. Third, third th- child. Oh, so, sorry, third child. Third child. <laughs> Don't give me a kid. Yeah. Black, black under, black under her eyes, just exhausted, like to to no end. I'm working all day, going to school at night. I ended up getting sponsored by the base to go re- uh, represent them for a marathon. So I had to do good at this first marathon because I'm representing the base, and they're paying for me to go to the Wright Patterson and represent the base. And I come home and I rush and I change and and I can still see her standing at the door. She's like, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go work out. I gotta get ready for this marathon." And she's like, "I'd like to run." And she's like, "And I, and I said to her, yeah, you should probably take better care of yourself." And then no, no, I not run. I said. I'd like to eat. I haven't eaten all day. <laughs> and so my my self-absorbed self, I'm like, yeah, you should you should take better care of yourself. You should have out something to eat. And then out the door. And it's not until years later that she tells me, and we were on the verge of divorce, and I was clueless. I thought I thought life was great and we're doing good. And here here come to find out years later that we were on the verge of divorce because I was so self-absorbed on what I wanted to do, not thinking about what we needed how we needed Christ in to be, come back to the focus. And so surprise, surprise, what ended up happening? I can't be this, I can't be this miserable and the church be true. And so that's when she questioned um, the truthfulness of the church. She, she left the church. We agreed to, all right, I'll, I'll, we'll go one Sunday to um, the church, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and she'll go to the base chapel. And we tried that and it didn't work. And so we just stopped, we just stopped going because of the conflict and the struggles. Katie, Happened to be living in, and somehow they followed us to Albuquerque at the time, and and she happened to be living there, and she said, you know what, I'm gonna keep your garments for you. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, I had sent her all my temple clothes and my garments. Yeah. I said, I'm not gonna need these anymore. You might as well have them. And she, sorry to put you on the spot, but you know, Heavenly Father helps you through people, um, and she held on to them for years, and when I. 
in the same box. And I messaged her like three years later. I'm like, so I'm gonna, I'm coming back to church now. And um, we were in Okinawa at the time. And she's like, oh good, I need to send you this box. I've been holding on to you. And she sent it all back to me. So she had faith that, you know, I would come back and it was just a, a growth. And it was, and I was grateful for that. And Melissa mentioned I struggle with the good times. And so what I thought was the good times, I'm excelling at work. I'm doing great fitness-wise. I'm in the prime of my fitness. I'm doing great. We moved. moved. I got pulled to a, a really uh, important job in, in, in esteemed, and I, but I was completely inactive. And it was a home teacher who invited me out to lunch, and I'm like, oh, okay, I know what he's going to do, say I probably should come to church. And he – and he just like, I just want to have lunch with you. And he, we had lunch, and he said, hey, I saw your son is nine. Have you thought about getting him baptized? And I was like, whoa. And so that simple question, that simple conversation, I went home that night, and, and, and I asked my oldest son. I said, hey, you're, you're nine years old. Do you, have you thought about wanting to get baptized? And he said, yeah, I've been meaning to ask you about that. And so for you youth, you, un, you underestimate the power you have to bring your entire family closer to Christ because that 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 simple intent of my oldest son wanting to go back to church, wanting to get baptized, wanting to be active in scouts brought me along and brought me back and I started focusing on what I should do I, and I told Melissa, I said it's, it's fine where you're at, no pressure, no nothing, but I, I need to get in a better place. And so I focused back on myself and my relationship with the Savior and letting God prevail in my life. And it was another shocker, just like I was shocked that we were on the verge of divorce. We moved to, to Oklahoma, I mean to uh, Okinawa, and we're in fast and testimony meeting, and she stands up. It just so happened she, she agreed to come, which she no, normally wouldn't come. She stands up, and she bears her testimony, and she's coming back. I had no idea. And and it wasn't anything I was doing. It's but, a personal thing here. Yeah, yeah. But it was – but looking back, it's because I was focusing on letting God prevail in my life and being a, a better example in the house and our, our children having the example of the Savior and then Melissa um, – Recognizing it through the the members that that supported us as we as we were in that PCS and all that stuff, but um, it's just these ups and downs. Whether it's physical trials, whether it's spiritual trials, what you just said earlier, he blesses us. How did you say it? You said it perfectly. He blesses us through others. I, yeah, you can't even remember. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he blesses us through people, and I and. I look back in hindsight of the blessings of letting God prevail in my life, and every key moment has been blessed by someone. Someone acting through the inspiration of being exactly where I needed and, or saying what we needed or providing that assistance. Um, it's, it's just amazing. So for you youth, you can have that effect on your parents. You can have that effect on your friends. Parents, we know because we have that guilt of we can always be doing a better job as a parent, but we're doing the best we can. And as long as we are letting God prevail in our lives, he'll He'll take us the rest of the way. Yeah. Basically, coming out of this, I hope that you have an idea of things that you can do in your life, um, like a little self-analysis of how you can be better at letting his will 
be the most important thing and to follow him and to give your whole life to to God and do everything that is asked of you that you know he's asking of you um we just want to end with one little thing since my father passed away I've been reading a lot about um, different cultures and the afterlife from different cultures and with all the different books that I've been reading from different Christian art um, authors and just different the one thing that I've come away with that in that just aligns perfectly with um, what President Nelson was saying is that we're all bringing each other closer and it's all about helping each other and loving each other that's how we show heavenly father and jesus christ how much we love them is we love other people and i think if if you have a hard time focusing on specific things maybe start with that um it's the easiest at least for me just to show someone else love so, so some of you teenagers may not have gotten to that point. Hopefully none of you get to that point. But certainly my oldest at one point got to that point where he says, I do not love you guys anymore. And he challenged us to no end. Um, and and it's been great to see him snap out of that, those crazy teenage years and become our best friend again. But um, I, I'm drawing a blank on where I read it or who said it. But um, um, it was the idea that someone was saying, I don't love them anymore. I don't love her. I don't love him or her anymore. And the response was, then love them. So love is a verb. So love is, is not anything else but a verb. So if you're not in love with somebody, the best way to love them again is through the action of love. So service, serve your fellow man, serve your, your mother and father, children, fathers serve your children, Ch- children serve your father, love each other and bring love into the home. And as you strive to show love and affection, um, I didn't grow up in a, in a house of physical affection um, or much affection at all. Um, it was a very dis- dysfunctional family, but I've learned just the, the, the physical affection of hugging um, children, you know, sons. Give your mom a great big hug and, and, and kiss on the cheek, and you will see her melt um, type thing. So physical affection has its place, um, as well as that, that service of, of doing something to show love. Um, sometimes we confuse, oh, if I just help the dishes, they'll help with the dishes, they'll, she'll know I, 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 I love her. Uh, you need to do more than that. You need to, you need to love um, through acts of kindness and affection and all of the above. So I, I challenge each of us to just internally reflect how we can let God prevail in our life. And um, if we're struggling to, to think about what, what that entails, just ask yourself, how can I love God with all my heart, my mind, and soul, and then love my neighbor? And what those action verbs of love towards my neighbor actually look like. So, yeah. I think we're over time. All right. Any comments or questions? No? All right. Thank you very much. Latter-day Saint Home Educators is a nonprofit, all-volunteer organization dedicated to providing inspiration to homeschool families. 
We hope you enjoyed this recording. If you are interested in listening to more recordings or would like to participate in a future conference, please visit our website at ldshe.org.